This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. back. How about you? I'm going to keep running. Man, I'm going to keep stripping stuff off and I'm going to keep running. Today we're going to be talking about hunger and thirst. Anybody hungry and thirsty for God, for more of God? Look in Psalm 42. You know, hunger and thirst are two of the most powerful appetites, naturally speaking. And, you know, here in Psalm 42, we see where David uh, uses metaphorically talking about his desire for God, to hunger and thirst. Now, I'm not talking about just that habit hunger, you know, where we go and get us a little snack. I, I'm, ta- well, I'm talking about a craving, a ravenous hunger, like, you know, you've been out working hard all day and you haven't had time to, to take a meal or get anything to eat. And I mean, you are hungry. <laughs> hungry I mean you're and you know and thirsty you know you can only go four days without water I mean I don't know how some Christians have last but so as long as they have because <laughs> there's been a while since some I know took in a drink you need to say you need to take another drink amen up <clears throat> oh, let me get over there Psalm 42 in Isaiah 42. I don't know how I got there. Here we go. Listen to this, verse 1. David is speaking. He said, As the deer pants for streams of water. Well, what an image that is, isn't it? So my soul pants for you, O God. Man, I'm telling you. He said, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty for God. Listen, Pastor Church, are you thirsty for God? You know, have you... You got like what Smith Wigglesworth said. You got a dissatisfied or a satisfied, dissatisfied satisfaction. You know, to where you know, yes, I, God is wonderful. I'm, I'm, I'm feasting on God. I'm drinking from the living waters, but I've got to have more. I've got to have more. Listen, God wants to do more in our lives. He wants to do more in our church. He wants to do more in our city. But you know, he's going to do that through the people of God. He's going to do that through you and I, isn't he? And unless there's a flow in us, there can't be a flow out of us. Unless we're eating of the heavenly manna, we don't have any heavenly manna to give out, do we? Man, oh man. Have you, have you ever uh, bought some bread and bought it home and maybe, you know, you, you used part of the loaf, but, you know, you whatever you didn't get around to using it and you you went to it about a week later and you discovered it again man wasn't it delicious not man i mean you know it may it may have some mold on it it may be dried out i mean it's just not come on i mean it's it's bread all right amen at one time it was fresh 
At one time it was tasty, but what has happened to it? He said, my soul, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Listen, I don't want a historical God. I don't want a theological God. I don't want a dogma and a legalistic God. I want a living God, don't you? I want a, that's who I want to be with. I want to hang out with a living God. Man, I want my heartbeat to beat with the heartbeat of God. I want to drink deep of the waters. I want to feast on the living God. That's what David was saying here. We're talking about hunger and thirst in our pursuit of God. Listen, you know what? You know, hunger is a good thing. You know, we think, oh, man, you know, it would be nice if we weren't ever hungry. Listen, if you didn't get hungry, you'd die. What, what moves you to eat? And, and receive what you need to sustain your body. It's hunger, isn't it? If you lost your hunger, you'd die and you wouldn't even realize you were dying. And so, same thing true spiritually. Some Christians say they have no more hunger. They've lost their hunger for God. They're not hungry for God anymore. You know, uh, of course, all our kids are grown now. We're grandparents like a lot of y'all. But, you know, when our kids were at home, you know, you know, if, if they get into the snacks, you know, I remember Jessica, especially our oldest daughter. Oh, she, I'm, she is an Oreo freak. I mean, boy, does she love the Oreos. And, man, we'd, we'd buy Oreos, and we'd, you know, the boys would go to get one, or we'd go to get one and couldn't find them anywhere. Go upstairs. To Jessica's bedroom, and there they were, the whole pack. I mean, no, she loved them. But you know, if you eat stuff like that in between meals, it will absolutely destroy your appetite, won't it? For what is really good, for what is nourishing, for what will build you up. Amen. He said, "Boy," he said, "He said, he said, when can I go and meet with God?" I mean. That ought to be. I mean, we look around this morning. Obviously, there's a lot of people that didn't want to come and meet with God. <laughs> Hopefully, they're watching online or somewhere else. But, you know, there's a lot of people. They've lost their hunger. I'm talking about Christians now. I'm not talking about the lost. They've lost their hunger. You know, they're not moved to, to spend time with God during the week or to be in the Word reading or, or to worship God privately or to be in their prayer closet or to come and, and meet with the saints. They've lost their hunger. Man, I remember, you know, some people when they first got saved, I mean, it didn't matter what kind of meeting was going on. They was there. I mean, they were waiting for the door. They were there to help you unlock the door. You know, now they, you know, either don't come or come once a month or they drag in 30 minutes late. Boy, I done gone to meddling now, hadn't I? I guarantee you, though, if we're going to have, I bet you if we're going to have a cookout, they'd be here on time. <clears throat> Jesus said this, blessed are the hungry and thirsty. Blessed are the hungry and thirsty. If you're hungry and thirsty for God, you are blessed. Because you're going to have a divine motivation, a divine appetite that's going to move you and motivate you and drive you to feast on the bread from heaven and drink from the living waters. 
Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Why? For they will be filled. See, if you've got a hunger for God, you are blessed, blessed, blessed. I mean, if you, you get in your prayer closet and you're spending time there with God and you're, you're worshiping God, and man, I mean, the tears are coming down your face and you're just so full of desire for God. You are blessed, Jesus said. Don't do anything to kill that appetite. He said, you're blessed. Now, this word, I mentioned it, hunger here, in the, in the original language, means to be famished. Like a starving person. That's what he's talking about. Are you hungry for God? If you are, you're blessed. Thirst here means a strong or eager desire, a craving for water, like somebody that's been in the desert. <laughs> water. Hunger. He said, you're blessed. You know why? He said, because those are the ones that will be filled. you be filled with God, the heavenly manna. you be filled with the living water that flows up out of your innermost being. And you know what? Not only that, but you're going to have something to give to people who do not have anything. Now, you think about this. Remember the little boy with his lunch? Now, I mean, you know, <laughs> well, he had, what was it, uh, was it five fishes and two loaves? I always get that turned around, or, or two fish and five loaves, wasn't it? <laughs> Either way, it wasn't enough for 5,000 people, was it, brother? Uh, you know, but here's the thing, you know, it seems like he was the only one <laughs> that had anything. I mean, you know, we may say, well, that wasn't much. But, yeah, but he was the only one who had enough foresight to bring anything. He had something. You know, the world's looking for Christians that's got something. Not that had something, but has got something. And you may feel like it's just a, you know, it's just a small lunch. But I'm telling you what, if you've got something and Jesus blesses it, it can feed the multitudes. Hunger, thirst. He said, these are two signs, listen, of spiritual health. If you're hungry and thirsty for God, you are healthy. And if you're not, you're not healthy. We know in the natural, isn't that true? If you get sick, one of the first things you lose is your appetite. Food just don't appeal to you. Sometimes it can even nauseate you. But see, the same thing's true spiritually. If, if, if we're not hungry for God, I mean, you know. Well, I'm telling you, what a meeting we had. Yeah, I know. I, I, back there in 85, I was in one of them. <laughs> well, you need to be in another one, you know. Isn't that right? I mean, you know. Hey, anybody planning on eating today, later on? Well, what are you doing that for? You ate last week, didn't you? Didn't you eat last year? Come on. Well, we, I mean, we think that would be the silliest thing in the world. But yet spiritually we think, well, hey, you know, hey, praise God. You know, hey, I got the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues 35 years ago. I'm good. <laughs> that brings me to the second point. How are you satisfying your hunger? Turn over to Numbers 11. You know, Paul said that the things that happened to Israel, God wrote them down as 
lessons for us, examples and lessons. And so we want to look over here. Now, you know, here's Israel. Let me just remind you, I'm, I'm sure most of you, if not everybody knows this. You know, they had been in, in Egypt uh, over 400 years, generation, generation, generation. And really, culturally speaking, they were more Egyptian than Hebrew, culturally speaking. Racially, yes, they were Hebrew, but they, they had imbibed, I mean, after 400 years in that Egyptian culture, they had imbibed that culture. One of the reasons God took them through the wilderness is to try to get some of that out of them and get some of Him back in them. <laughs> Amen? But, you know, because they were in that culture, their appetites and all, they were, uh, for many generations, they were accustomed to eating the food of Egypt. Now, we know Egypt's a type of the world. They were used to eating that food. So I'm, I'm just putting this up as a background because I'm only going to read a, a few select verses here. But notice in 11.5, well, we'll back up to 4. I like the way this reads. The rabble, <laughs> the rabble with, with them begin to crave other food. Uh-oh. It's a problem with a lot of Christians. They're craving other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, If only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this doggone manna. I added doggone. Excuse me. but <laughs> I mean, I can just hear them whining. Ah! What had happened? Their appetites and their taste, uh, you know, had been uh, conditioned in Egypt. And so they had no taste for the manna. You know, like a, what was it, the, 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 the old song back in the 80s, you know, he said, you know, he, they had manna cotti. They had banana bread. I mean, I don't know what was wrong with them. You know, they could but they got tired of it. They didn't want the heaven. Man, every time we go, all you do is talk about that word. You know, preach from the Bible. I've heard enough of the Bible. I've had, I've had spirit-filled people tell me that. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. We don't want no more of this manna. See, you know what it tells me? You know what? Spiritually, you're in trouble. I didn't say you was lost. I said you were in trouble. I mean, if, if you had someone in your, a, a child or a grandchild was living with you or something, and they, I mean, and day after day they said, I'm not hungry, I'm not hungry, wouldn't you think something was wrong? But yet with Christians, we just thought, well, you know, it's like, you know, they got saved and they're on autopilot now. Just waiting for the rapture. <laughs> well, let's hope you don't starve before it comes. So they, you know, they said, oh, we, we, we want something else. We, we've lost our appetite. Let me ask you, are you hungry for God? Are you thirsty for God? Boy, and I'm going to tell you in verse 10, it says, the Lord became exceedingly angry. Now, I don't know exactly what all that means, and I don't think I want to know too much. <laughs> but whatever that means, he wasn't happy about it, was he? Verse 31, Numbers 11 there. He says, Now wind went out from the Lord and drove quail in from the sea. It scattered them up to two cubits deep all around the camp, 
as far as a day's walk in any direction. Now, a cubit was roughly uh, about 18 inches. So two of that, so about three feet high. Can you imagine quail three feet high in any direction from your tent as far as you could walk in a day? That's a lot of quail. You know they didn't eat all that quail. You know that stuff started rotting. It started out there in that sun in the wilderness. It started stinking. And see, that's the thing with the world's food. You may think it satisfies for the moment. You may think it tastes so good, but I want to tell you what. It's going to start stinking. It's not going to nourish you. It's going to train your appetite for, to desire and crave the wrong thing, and those appetites can lead you astray. See, quail or manna, what are you, what are you desiring? That's interesting. If you go on down there, it says, uh, it says, uh, then they spread the mile. But while the meat, verse 33, was, was still between their teeth, and before it could be consumed, the anchor of the Lord burned against the people. And he struck them down with a severe plague. Aren't you glad we're living in grace time? Verse 35, a, a verted voice said, Therefore the place was called Kibroth Hathavah. You know what that literally means? Graves of longing. A lot of Christians, they're seeking after things that's going to wind up with graves of longing because they're seeking the appetites of the natural. They're seeking first the things of this world rather than the things of God, and it's going to end up being a place of, of death for you. He said this, it was called graves of longing because Israel... And the plan of God moved on, but all those people that craved the quail, they stayed there. They were dead. And you know, it's the same thing true in this. There might not be a natural death, but you know what's going to happen is God is going to continue to move by His Spirit in the church. But you know what? Those that are dead, that have not been eating, they've craved the wrong things. You know what? They're going to be left behind. They're going to be left behind. They're not going to have any idea what God's doing. They're not going to be uh, in touch with what God is saying. They're not going to be in touch with the living <laughs> God, the living Word. Remember, the Bible says that one of the reasons He took them into the wilderness and gave them manna was so that they could learn what? That man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Isn't that what Jesus told the devil in the wilderness? <laughs> He said, no. He said, I don't, no. He said, I, here's, how, here's, here's my meat. Remember when the disciples came back there at the well of Samaria? And, the, you know, he said, uh, he says, has anybody brought him any food? He said, my meat is to do the will of my Father. Wow. Wow. Man, where's that church at? Hey, man, I want to get in on that. That's where that... So quail is satisfying the desires and the cravings of our natural appetites. And manna is satisfying the desires of the Spirit. And, and I just quoted from Matthew 4, 4. He said, he said, we don't live by bread alone. Don't we seek first the kingdom of God, the God of the kingdom? Isn't that what our, we seek first? Isn't that the appetite we satisfy first? That's what 
That's where we should be longing. That's where our hunger should be. That's where our thirsting should be. That's where our, our devotion should be. That's where our focus should be. You say, Pastor, you're just extreme. I know it. I'm an extreme moderate. You think I'm extreme? Just get in the Bible. Man, God's really extreme. He said, you shall have no other God before Him. He said, He's the only way of salvation. There's a lot of extremes in the Bible. <laughs> God is extremely right. <laughs> Amen. So how are you satisfying your hunger? Is it you're hollering to God and whining? You won't, you won't quail? Has the world's satisfied your appetite? Has it changed your appetite so that you no longer desire the manna, the water? You're no longer thirsty for, for the living God? You don't have time for Him. You're too busy with all the other pursuits of life, all the things that want to crowd in. You know, I, I believe if we took a, an inventory, there's a lot of things that we could cut out that aren't necessary. We've just, you know, used that as an excuse. Well, I just got to have that time for myself. If you only could hear how that sounds. See, you were doing good till you got to that last pronoun, myself. <laughs> so, how are we going? What are we going to do? You know, what, how do we, how do we become a seeker of God? Maybe, maybe, maybe your appetite is waned. I hope not. But you know, one of the ways we can we can build our appetite back if it's waned, or we can keep our appetite strong, I believe, is what we saw there with uh, David, and and I want to. Go from Psalm 42. Look in Psalm 62 real quickly. Worship. We've got to become worshipers of God. That is the thing that either will restore your hunger or keep your hunger strong. Worshipers of God. I think that, you know, we know about David. Most of us do. We know about his story, his history. He was not a perfect man. We know that. I mean, the Scriptures, I mean, God just put all, everything out there, didn't He? Sure, I'm glad He hadn't put all my stuff out there like He did for David, man. Isn't that right? Woo! Talk about Facebook. God was way ahead, I think. You know, but I know He did that for our benefit. So it wasn't because David was perfect that God called him a man after my own heart, was it? But I tell you, one thing it is, just what we've read, and you read, if you've read any of David's psalms, you see this, David was a worshiper. Oh, man, there's a lot of other things we could say about him, but I'm telling you, he was a worshiper. He was a worshiper. If you want to keep your hunger and your thirst alive, become or stay a worshiper of God. I'm not talking about when we come here and we, we worship for a few minutes here. I'm going to tell you what, that ain't near enough. You know, and here's the thing, you know, with, with church now, you know, of course, we're doing it because of the present situation. We're trying to be prudent to, to, to trim our, our, our service time down. But, you know, as a culture here in the States, you know, in the church, man, you know, we don't, we don't want to spend any time worshiping anymore. Oh, man, you'll, you, you'll hear all the quail people. I'll tell you what, 
You know, I got some feedback one time that said, you know, they felt like, you know, that uh, at prayer time we were praying too much. Said, said, why don't either you or Brother Bruce pray, but y'all don't both need to pray. I just shook my head. I don't know who said it. Don't want to know who said it. I hope it wasn't anybody here. But that's, that's you know, the quail people will speak up. I don't know if you've ever done any hunting for, for quail. You know, but they, they're, they're always in what they call a covey. You know, those quail people, you know, they're going to stick together. I'll tell you what. Man, I'm, they worship for 20 minutes over there. Lord, have mercy. I said, Lord, have mercy. Man, I'm telling you. That Pastor Norris, he long-winded. He went 38 minutes the other day. I timed it. <laughs> the quail people. I said, you know, <laughs> I better move on. Listen. Become worshipers. Notice he said here in Psalm 62, Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him. Truly He is my rock. Oh, and then uh, down in 63, look here. Listen, verse 1. You are, you God are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. Boy, you better not go to church with David. Well, I'm telling you, we get up in heaven. If you find out that different, you know, I don't know if they're going, we're all going to worship in one place or if he's going to have a quail worship over here. And <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, if, David, if David's leading this bunch, if you're a quail worshiper, don't get over there with David because I'm telling you what, you can forget your 15 minutes or 10 minutes. I'm telling you what, David's going to go. <laughs> Amen. He said, my whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I've seen you. I, this may be why some people aren't hungry anymore. They haven't seen God lately. He said, I've seen you in the sanctuary. Woo, I beheld your power and your glory. Oh, my God. Listen, we start seeing his power, his glory. We beheld his glory. You won't want to get out of church. You think you'll be complaining because church wasn't long enough. He said, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Wow. Whoo, don't you like that? Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Woo! I'm telling you what, the anointing's still on that. Isn't it? <laughs> listen, listen, guys. Here's the principle. We become like what we worship. You worship something long enough, you begin to take on its attributes. You, you worship the things of this world. I'm, you may not be getting down and doing this, but I'm talking about, see, worship is more than just doing something like that. Worship has to do with your devotion, with your time, with your resources, with your, your 
what, what has gripped your heart, what you love the most, what you spend the most time pursuing, that's worship. And what you worship, you will become like. You worship the things of this world, that's what you're going to become like. You worship money, you're going to become greedy. You know, we already talked about, you know, these things about position and, you know, and, and purpose and power. You worship those things. I mean, that's why do, some, why do some people do the things they do? Because what? They become like what they worship. You, you, you know, we got drug addicts. How did they get to be a drug addict? They worshiped. <laughs> they did. They worshiped that. And eventually what happened, what they worshipped, it gripped them. And then they can't get out of it without help. We become what we worship. Look over in 2 Corinthians real quickly. 2 Corinthians. Chapter 3, yeah. Notice what, I won't, I won't read this whole chapter because... I just want to look here. He, he's talking about Moses, you know, going up in the, the glory that was on Moses and everything and him having to put a veil over his face. And he talks about how that the law became a veil over Israel's understanding so that they could not really see a living God. They saw the Ten Commandments. They saw the, all the, 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 the rituals that were given and all the different things that were given. They, you know, they, they couldn't see beyond that. But now he talk, he's talking about us as Christians. He said, and he said in verse 17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image. Notice what he says there. He said, you're going to be, if you are a worshiper of God, he said, you will begin to behold Him in your time of worship, and he said, you're going to be changed. That word changed there is from the root word metamorphos. He said, you're going to be changed from glory to glory into his image. So if you're a worshiper of God, you're going to become more and more like him. You're going to, you're going to imbibe more and more of his glory, of his heart, of his purity, of his love, of His goodness, of His forgiveness, of His mercy. See, it don't take long. You, you can get around Christians. You can find out real quick what they're worshiping. I mean, you know, you talk to some Christians, they're mad at everybody. You know, the cat, the dog. The bird that flew over did something on their car. They're mad at everything. We become what we worship. We drink in His strength and glory. Amen? We drink in His strength, in His presence. David said, man, I'm going to drink. He said, I'm going to lift up my hands. I'm going Listen, it's not just a church you lift up your hands. Man, get, it, get, in your, get in your prayer closet. You say, I ain't got one. Well, see, that's your first mistake right there. Get one. You say, well, I don't have a closet big enough. Well, then make your bedroom a prayer closet. 
Make that, make your utility shed in the back. I mean, find somewhere God don't care. You know, He'll meet with you wherever there's a hungry heart. He will meet with you. And you know what? Overindulging our natural appetites leads to death. He said, I'll read this real quickly. I'm just, you don't have to turn there. Just write that. You know this, Romans 8. Listen to this. He says right here, he said, uh, pick it up in verse 6. He said, the mind governed by the flesh is death. Now, he's writing to Christians here. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind, or we could say the appetites governed by the flesh, are hostile to God. (laughs) It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. And the only way I know to keep the flesh in check is to what? Is to be a worshiper of God, to have the spirit stronger than the flesh. Something's going to rule in your life. It's either going to be the appetites and the pursuits that those appetites of the flesh cause you to pursue, or it's going to be the appetites of the flesh, that's what he's saying here, and what it causes you to pursue, which is God. One leads to death, the other one leads to life and peace. Transformation. All right, one more scripture here, and then we're going to pray. Psalm 34. Let's get back over there to Psalm again. Can you be satisfied with Him? See, that's the problem. So many people have gotten their taste buds acclimated to the world. Christians, that God don't satisfy them anymore. I mean, I've, oh, man, I've, I've heard all that. Man, I've... Man, are you kidding me? When I got saved, man, they, we had we had uh, Brother Hagin and Brother Copeland and 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 you know and, and this one and that one and the other. I mean, I had all of them. We, I mean, I've heard the best of them. I've been around the best of them. I mean, you know, I've been. Around, yeah, yeah, that's your problem. You've been. Hey, you you need to fast forward up to the present. And eat something and be satisfied with God. Psalm 34, our last scripture, and then we're going to pray. Notice what he says here. We quoted this, all of us, many, many times. Taste. 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 I mean, what if you, how would you, how would you describe the taste of milk to somebody who's never tasted milk? I mean, how would you go about describing milk? It's white, it's a liquid, okay, yeah, great. What does it taste like? Well, it tastes like milk, yeah, but I've never had milk. He said, we need to taste the Lord. He didn't say you needed to know a theological discourse about the Lord. Nothing wrong with theology, that's fine. But don't be satisfied with that. That can become a veil to you. It has to a lot of people. There's a lot of people who got, got a theological veil that says God don't do this anymore. God don't meet with people anymore. God's not supernatural anymore. God's not really doing anything but maybe, maybe saving a few. But He ain't healing anymore. He's not going to meet with you anymore. He's not going to speak with you anymore. They got what? Theological veil over their face. 
Well, God used to do that, but he don't do that anymore. Listen, taste. He said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Listen, that's the only way you're going to know. How you know what milk tastes like is because you've had some. And so when I start talking about milk, we all say, yeah, we know what milk tastes like. But you only know, not because I said something about milk, it's because you tasted the milk for yourself. You've got a taste of the presence of the Lord for yourself. Let me ask you some questions. How hungry and thirsty are you for God? How are you satisfying those spiritual appetites? Leeks and garlics and onions of the world? Have they stolen your appetite for God? How strong is your pursuit of God? You, you know, some people say, boy, I really love God. You know, I love God. You know, I've run into the, you run into these people all the time. Well, you know, now, I'm, not a, I'm spiritual, but I'm not a church person. <laughs> well, you, you might be spiritual. I don't know what spirit it is. But See, if you're passionate, you're pursuing. Isn't that right? The evidence of your passion, your hunger, is pursuit. If you're not pursuing, then don't tell me you're hungry. You know, why do you go sit down at the table? We're going to dismiss you in just a little bit. You're going to go home or are you going to go out to a restaurant somewhere? You're going to sit down at the table somewhere. Why are you doing that? I mean, you could be doing something else. You could be cleaning the bathroom or something. Why do you want to go eat? Isn't it amazing? You know, eating is such a social thing too, isn't it? You know, we like to go out, we get with our family, or, or, or we get with our friends, or we like to do a cookout. We like to do, even in, we like to do stuff around food, don't we? Around eating. Well, why don't you do something socially with God and go to the Lord's table? Why don't you learn to cultivate that hunger? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's pray. Bow your hands with me just for a moment. Father, today, I pray for all of us, all of us here in this place, that, Father, a hunger and a thirst would be restored where it needs to be restored. And Father, those of us who do hunger and thirst, Lord, we, we want more of you. We want more of you. We want all of you that we can have in this life. We want to feast on you daily. We want to drink from, the, from the, uh, that well that Jesus talked about, that living water that would well up. We want to drink and to feast on you, the living God. We want to taste for ourselves. We, we don't want a second-hand relationship. We want to taste for ourselves and see that you're good. We want to behold your glory and be transformed just like Paul talked about ourselves. We want to be that hunger just like David had where we pursue you with all of our being. God, I pray that Passion Church would be such a people, would be such a people, oh God. Father, that whatever this world, the quail that we, we may have been feeding on, Lord, that, Father, that we will no longer be satisfied with the quail, with the leeks and the garlic and the onions of this world. The flavor of this world will not spoil our appetite for you. 
but we will hunger for you all the days of our life. We will thirst after you all the days of our life. In Jesus' name. If you're here this morning and you, you have a need, maybe you, you, you need uh, healing in your body, maybe you, you've got uh, a financial need, maybe you need a Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church. Thank you.